You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Details matter, and at OZ Lifestyle Brands, they're all about the details. Their selection of men's accessories balance style with substance and quality and craftsmanship, showcasing both classic and casual designs. They also make shopping the easiest it's ever been for you while leaving plenty of change in your pocket for your next adventure. I highly recommend them. They've got some really dope wallets, watches, t-shirts, whole bunch of cool stuff there. If you're a man who's looking to style up their game without blowing the bank, I highly recommend OZ Lifestyle Brands. OZ Lifestyle Brands delivers a unique experience to elevate style for men with ultra discerning tastes. OZ is for men who found their calling but don't need to shout about it. So go check out their full range of products at OZLifestyleBrands.com. That is OZLifestyleBrands.com. To get 20% off your entire first order, just use the code ZUBYMUSIC at checkout for 20% off. That's ZUBYMUSIC at checkout for 20% off at OZLifestyleBrands.com. Go check them out. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to another episode of Real Talk with Zuby. On today's episode, we've got on an awesome young lady who is a socio-political commentator, and she is also a cosplayer as well. So we're going to get into some interesting stuff today. I would like to welcome to the show, Mac, aka Kenzie Puff. How are you doing, Mac? Great. Thanks so much for having me on. You're very welcome. So I've given a very brief intro to you right there. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, sure. So I comment on political stuff mostly on Twitter, but as you said, I'm a cosplayer as well. So Every once in a while, there'll be a photo of one of my cosplays, and people will be very confused because I'm not what they thought they were getting with my Twitter. So um, it's kind of a mixed bag. I kind of got into cosplay and politics actually around the same time, uh, which we can get into later because that was kind of a crazy transition of really researching politics and getting into a culture that really has one-sided politics at the same time, which okay. I'm sure you know. Well, I, um, I, don't, I don't know a great deal about the the politics of the cosplay world, to be honest with you. I, it's, uh, it's, all, it's all new to me. It's kind of uh, how, unfortunately, a lot of cultural culture-dominated things go. It's pretty, um, if you're right of Karl Marx, you're oh, viewed yeah. as a crazy person. So, oh, <laughs> Aren't, aren't, aren't we all? Join, join the club, Mac. Join the club. Right. 
<laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so where are you from? Where did you grow up? What's, um, what's your life been like that's led you to this stage? Yeah, sure. So I am very Midwestern. Um, I've traveled a little bit. Probably the farthest I've been is Poland, but that was in eighth grade. Otherwise, I just pretty much travel around the Midwest going to these conventions. Um, I grew up in a your standard middle class nuclear family. I only have one brother and then it's just us and our parents. And uh, we grew up going to private school, which I'm very fortunate for. So that kind of shaped my view in early life, I think, looking back as far as politics and education go and how the government gets involved in that kind of stuff, which is mm. one of my main issues. But um, pretty standard. Um, I really, I grew up being told, which is hilarious now that there's three things you don't talk about, which is politics, religion, and family feuds. Mm. And I talk about politics and religion a lot. And actually my brother is becoming a pastor. So we just completely, oh, really? ignored, we completely ignored my parents, you know, direction <laughs> with that. but you know, and actually I was a world religion major when I was in college, um, which I ended up not completing, but it was just something that was interesting to me, just researching other religions. Um, we grew up Christian, so mm. Lutheran Christian, so we're Protestant, which I'm sure the, the Catholics on my Twitter will come at me now when they hear this, but <laughs> 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 I have a lot of Catholics that follow me, and that's kind of the default people assume that you are when you say you're Christian, so it's always funny to kind of banter back and forth with them. Maybe, <laughs> maybe where you are in the UK, I don't yeah. think that's... um. I think in the U in the UK, obviously you've got the Church of England, which is oh, yeah. Protestant, which is larger. I believe in the UK has a bigger presence than the Catholic Church. So actually, I think in the UK it's kind of the opposite. Well, and that would make sense. I mean, being Lutheran, that was a huge European movement with the Reformation and stuff like that. So it makes sense that that would kind of be backwards there as opposed hmm. to the US. But yeah, yeah. So tell me, what is it that got you into talking about politics in a public forum on social media, on YouTube, on Twitter? What was it that you you said you discovered, not discovered, but you said you got into politics and you got into cosplay at the same time? Now, to most people listening, those sounds that sounds like a weird juxtaposition. Those sound like really, really different things that don't really overlap. So what was the origin story? Yeah, so I got into politics at all. I, I would consider myself a centrist. I know a lot of people either come from right wing or left wing, but I was pretty much completely politically apathetic. I thought, you know, oh, all of these people are crazy. So <laughs> I think I sympathize with people, especially in today's political climate in the US. They're like, I'm all of these people are crazy. What is going on? <laughs> so I'm like, yes, I totally feel you there. So I, you know, I grew up being told you don't talk about politics. So sadly, I just thought, oh, it's not important, which mm. now I realize is kind of true, but kind of wrong. But um I got involved in college uh, in 2015 with a group called Young Americans for Liberty, uh, and they started out of Students for Ron Paul, who's a pretty big libertarian figurehead. And I wasn't libertarian at that point, and I had no idea what it was or that it was even a thing. I just heard lib, and I was like, oh, it's a different kind of liberal, which now triggers me when people say that. But <laughs> um, So I got involved with them, and they were really just activism-based. So we would just host events on college campuses and uh, try to reach out to students just to get them involved. We didn't necessarily care which side they came from. It was just we thought it was important to get younger people involved in the conversation. So um, 
it was pretty much a neutral standpoint. And then I started going to these conventions that they host uh, in all different regions of the US. And then I kind of got introduced to the Mises Institute, which is pretty staunch libertarian. Like they, they label themselves that and you get into the philosophy with that. And that's, I attended that last summer now. So it's been a year since I attended that. And that's when I really kind of buckled down and became pretty firm in my beliefs, I'd say, and found my tribe, at least when it comes to politics. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And what was it that uh, attracted you to that? I don't know much about um, Mises, so you can educate me a little bit on that. Yeah. So um, I consider myself an anarcho-capitalist. So I did the Okay. Oh, you're you're going hardcore. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) People get scared when you say that, but- No, no, no. That's funny. I like to call myself uh, a practical one. So like if tomorrow the federal government was like, hey, we're just going to do policing and the army. Is that cool? You guys can do everything else. I wouldn't be like, no, all or nothing. Screw you guys. (laughs) I would say, oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah, let's progress that way and get people to be more freedom-based that way. I would, you know, so I'll work with people and I try to meet people where they're at. But um, the Mises Institute, I think, is is obviously heavily influenced by uh, anarcho-capitalism, um, which to me is self-ownership, property rights and non-aggression. So those are yeah. that's like my my trifecta there that I try to, you know, even if somebody doesn't agree with me completely on politics, if we can agree on those things, at least um, I find it a lot easier to talk to people. And even if it's just one of those things that they agree with me with. So, Yeah. No, I mean that that's um that's interesting. I mean, I like to talk to people of all different kinds of perspectives on this podcast and and I I have done. So, I I think one thing that's one thing that's interesting, I know from my own perspective is that I've done like I don't read much about politics. Like my 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 political views haven't really been I don't even want to say like sort of shaped by any individual or any reading or being a member of any group. Like I've never been a part of anything. I've always just kind of literally since pretty young, I guess my sort of natural mindset and my way of viewing the world has always been kind of like center right position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all that's kind of happened in terms of the political quadrant is I've just sort of shifted slightly downwards from thinking, okay, the government should do this, this, and this to thinking the government should do less and less. Like I, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm as far as a, a as a full blown ANCAF. But um, I can cer- I can certainly understand it. I think um, I think to me it's kind of like I think the way I view it is just just like you've got um, a sort of growing trend of people calling for calling themselves socialists or you know promoting socialism and whatnot and advocating for government or communal ownership and all that kind of stuff. Just like how I think that I guess practically and pragmatically, I. I mean, full, full-blown socialism, communism, we, we already know what the results of that are. And then I think full-blown anarcho-capitalism, I'm also not, I'm not sold on. I can understand both positions from a sort of theoretical standpoint. Whatever the system is, I think if human beings were perfect and everybody was just nice to each other and nobody was aggressive and nobody was violent, nobody's, whatever system you do, actually it would work even full-blown communism, socialism, would sort of technically work in some way if there was like no evil in the world and everybody was kind and everybody 
treated people like they were their siblings, then, you know, in a, in a family structure, socialism works fine, right? In a very tight community, socialism can work fine, but on a sort of national level, um, yeah, it, it devolves very horribly. And I do personally feel that if you were to have, you know, any, any kind of complete anarchism, you know, even if you have obviously got private individuals and companies and whatnot stepping in to fill in some of these government roles, I'm just not sure that it would, uh, in practice, I'm not quite sure <laughs> it wouldn't sort of de devolve into the same, into the same kind of, kind of chaos. Cause I think you'd, you'd just get certain people and groups who'd form little militias or gangs or what, whatever the case is. And then they'd sort of start oppressing everybody else. And then you don't have any thing in power that can put that in check. So that's what I think. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of like I lean libertarian, but I'm not. Uh, if you if you put me next to like a dyed in the wool libertarian, then I'm probably <laughs> then I'm probably going to sound like they'll they'll probably be accusing me of a socialist, and then a socialist will be accusing me of being like an evil right winger. So I, I guess <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't I can't win anyway. <laughs> a status, as my libertarian, you know friends would say. Am I allowed to say libertarian comrades? I feel like that's an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I try to kind of, you know, understand where people are coming from. I When I first got involved in all this, there were times I would just kind of screech statist to people. But then you have to realize, well, that's where I was at. Mm -hmm. So it's unfair to look at someone and be like, you just don't know what you're talking about. It's like, I had no idea what the hell I was talking about. So <laughs> You know, I try to have conversations like this. That's why I've been loving to go on these podcasts so often now within the past year, because you get to hear other people's perspectives instead of just kind of talking at yourself on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So sell us on anarcho-capitalism. Why, why should I become an ANCAP? <laughs> well, to me, um, and actually I, a lot of fellow anarcho-capitalists get kind of miffed at us that are Christian and anarcho-capitalists because, you know, they say, Oh well, you're Christian, so that's authority. So you can't be ANCAP. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, there's a difference between political anarchy and moral anarchy. I think most people, most people would agree that moral anarchy is not a good thing. There should be some set, you know, we can disagree on what set, but there should be some set of guidelines at least yeah, that please. we can that we can go off of. So, but uh, my view on anarcho-capitalism, at least coming from a Christian background, is that uh, it works because people aren't perfect, because people are inherently in competition with people, and they're going to strive to always be better than the other person. So, you know, the the minarchist or you know my socialist friends will say, well, then you know people are just going to take advantage of each other, and then I point to my local government and I say, um, remember when they took the the three yards off of your front yard because of eminent domain, that's them literally taking things away from you. So uh, my position on it is just that it's the most ethical position to have. You know, I'm not mm. going to call anybody that doesn't have it unethical. I totally understand minarchism and where people are coming from. But to me, that's the ultimate goal is everyone coming from this place of, you know, private property rights, non-aggression mm. and self-ownership. And to me, Anarcho-capitalism is the only way that everybody truly owns themselves and doesn't at some point, for some reason, have a government gun to their head saying, listen, I know you would freely donate to this person on a GoFundMe, mm. 
but we need your tax dollars because we're totally going to do with it what we say we're going to do with it. So, yeah. Um, so I guess my, my, my question, I guess, I think it's probably a question a lot of people would have is I get the whole government gun thing, but what if it's just, you know, a gang with a gun? A regular gun? <laughs> like, a regular like, that's my, that's kind of my thought. It's like, I, I get that. Like I'm kind of on board with that. You're like, oh, but what if it's I, another person? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, cause yeah. that you can't have, I think once, um, once you're past a certain level of population, this is just kind of observing the world. Um, you know, I think you can have like a small group or tribe in the hundreds, maybe low thousands of people where, like I said, whatever, whether you had anarchism or you had socialism or even communism, I think it can work on that smaller scale. I think the problem arises on a much bigger level. I mean, you see this in um, some war-torn states, whether that's in parts of Africa or Asia or South America or the Middle East where there's that power vacuum, maybe a dictator has been overthrown or whatever, and there's that power vacuum. And what always happens is you get you get terrorists, you get guerrilla forces, you get gangs who come in and they become like a worse version of the government. So you've still got somebody in power who's putting guns to people's heads. It's not yeah. official. Nobody voted for them, but they've just, you know, used their own power and they've seized that. So I'm not aware. Is there... um maybe there's something I'm missing in the ANCAP philosophy. I mean, what's the, what are the sort of ideas around that or how that could realistically be prevented on a practical level? Yeah. So most of the, the concerns that people have when it comes to anarcho-capitalism is, you know, security, how would we secure things and mm -hmm. how would we protect our neighborhoods basically, or even your household? Um, there's actually a really good book called uh, Anarchy in the State, <clears throat> uh, Anarchy State in the Law. And it actually talks about um, how private security forces and stuff would work practically and how actually uh, court systems and stuff like that would work, which is obviously like the main concerns that people have is how would justice get served and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so that's a really good book. And like anybody that's listening, that's thinking, OK, this is crazy. There's got to be some something here that I'm missing. Yeah. Really can you can you give us a, like a, a brief <laughs> summary, just like a cliff note? Yeah. So um, basically there's uh, thoughts. Um, so everybody knows the concept of police, but, uh, as sadly we saw when it came to Andy, no, all it takes is the government to say, stand down and there's nothing protecting citizens unless they're protecting themselves, obviously, which sadly yeah. in Portland, I would imagine the gun laws are pretty stiff. I'm just going to go on a, a wild guess there. Um, so, you know, in that case, you would just hire private security that obviously would, they'd compete with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, if, if your home gets broken into and no one's there to protect you, then, uh, beside yourselves, of course, if you wanted to hire additional protection, then, um, uh, companies would compete. So, um, it's all about competition and, you know, the socialist talking point is, well, we have capitalism now, so it's not working. No, we don't have capitalism. We have a bunch of government regulations in every facet of our lives, including, you know, police forces. I would guess that if my neighborhood suddenly decided to get together a private police force and pay people to police our neighborhoods, uh, the local government would be a little weary of that and think mm -hmm. that we were, you know, warlords or something trying to go around taking over neighborhoods or something like that. Okay. So, um, so I, I get that, but what if those, um, what if those, just like you get bad police officers now who are, yeah. you know, obviously 
supposed to be silver civil servants, mm -hmm. but sometimes they don't always serve and protect in the way that they should, and they go a little bit rogue and whatnot. I mean, yeah. what would stop that from still from still happening? I'm very much like a free free market capitalist in yeah. most things. Mm -hmm. Um, with stuff like police and military being sort of two of the two of the obvious ones. That's those are those are ones where I'm kind of like, hmm, I don't I, I'm not really sure how this would I don't know. I, maybe, maybe I'm too actually I don't think I'm too skeptical of human nature. I think I just know human nature. And I, yeah, I think yeah. you know what I mean I think not ninety nine point ninety nine percent of people are at least decent at a minimum, decent law abiding people. Um, it's always like, you know what, if if you didn't have criminals, you wouldn't have to worry about all this stuff, period. Right. That's that's always the thing. So it's always Somebody like, yeah, you know, something. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, like if you didn't have, you wouldn't you didn't have to worry about the justice system and the police and all that if everyone just followed the law, but it's just like, okay, some people won't. And what if some of those people who don't follow the law become powerful or become the people who are running the private security firms or all right. that kind of stuff? Like I just don't know how that would manifest in reality. Yeah. Um well Basically, my view is it's just the ethical way to run things. So a lot of the criticisms of anarcho-capitalism or even minarchism, honestly, like uh, even if you leave out police force and courts and military and stuff like that, you know, if you talk about just, uh, well, what if we just reduce it to the states do what they want and state governments control things? People are mm -hmm. like, well, then no one's watching the states. <laughs> so you can yeah. kind of always make that argument. But uh, I, I find a lot of the arguments... Um, or concerns, I should say. They're not really arguments. They're genuine concerns. Yeah. Um, they are already what's exactly happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, no, no, I, I, I get that. It's just um, yeah. I wonder if it would be with some things I'm like, hmm, would that be better mm -hmm. or worse? Like on most things I lean towards government probably shouldn't, shouldn't do it. Yeah. But then there's a couple of things where I'm like, hmm. I don't know if you'd met. Okay, take a country like the USA. You've got what 350 million people, and I'm just kind of like, how would that be? <laughs> you know, maybe this little part of Utah. Like, I'm kind of think, okay, you know, they could go full socialist and it'll work fine. They could go full anarchist, it'll work fine. But then I kind of think of like, you know, even even just a single bigger city like New York um, mm -hmm. or Los Angeles, and I'm kind of like, hmm, or London. I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure. I mean, may maybe it's uh. I don't know. Are there any, here's a question. Are there any, are there any, or what would be the closest society or place or country or city to what you think would be kind of ideal or has that ever existed or not? Um, I've, I'm not an expert on this, but I actually hmm. heard a really interesting, I forget whose podcast it was on. Um, but they were discussing how Hong Kong functions in China um, not necessarily, obviously, we know China is very culturally communist, yeah, yeah. Um, but when it comes to economics, Hong Kong is pretty, pretty free market capitalist. Um, and uh, I've, I need to research that more, but um, I don't. I think a lot of the things that we see that are anarchy based that people point to for saying an anarcho capitalism wouldn't work are sadly um anarcho-communist type things okay. which is unfortunate um and you know even libertarian started out as you know a quote-unquote left 
ideology and actually, you know, Rothbard, somebody that's associated with Mises and all those guys, they, he wanted to take it back to say, no, okay. it's, it can be right wing. So I think that trouble when you talk about anarchy in these societies is uh, most of what people know. And if you ask me, it's because that's how universities and stuff teach things. They're always going to be left biased. But uh, most of what people know about anarchy or when you think anarchy, you think like, Molotovs being thrown oh, yeah, yeah, in the streets and you know crazy stuff, but um, I think that's because it, it of the huge left influence and in culture. Yeah. Um, well, what I understand is that there's a difference between anarchy and anarchism. Mm -hmm. That's that's how I've understood. Like I used to always think that was just the same thing, but then when right. I saw it sort of defined properly, I realized okay, these don't necessarily mean the same things. With anarchism being a governmental state. Well, i.e. a state of not having like a government. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, whereas anarchy is more like um, just a, a synonym for chaos. Right. Right. So you could just yeah. say, oh, this is anarchy. You know, it's not like, not not literally, but it's just a crazy situation where stuff mm -hmm. is going nuts. And I always, they sound very similar. So I think people kind of hear anarchism and they just assume anarchy like crazy Mad Max. Everybody just going nuts. <laughs> Yeah. And I think I think that happens with a lot of things. Like I talked about earlier, when I first heard about libertarianism, I was like, oh, it has lib in it. So that means it's leftist. <laughs> you know, when I tell people or even now, um, if I I kind of don't call myself libertarian on social media a lot, I've kind of okay. strayed from that a little bit. Like if somebody that I know isn't going to go nuts on me asks, I'll say, yeah, I'm <laughs> but uh, it's so funny. I have a lot I don't know why. I think it's because I'm not constantly talking about how I hate Trump. I've acquired all these very conservative older people that follow me on Twitter and everyone. They're, they're, while, they're the best. They're the best. Yeah, they're so passionate. While, <laughs> they are. Every once in a while, I will tweet something like democracy is a God that failed. And here come the boomers. Like I love them. <laughs> I love them so much, but sometimes, and then they go, well, what? So you want no government? I'm like, did you see the yellow and black on my profile? Like, did, did I'm sorry, was there a miscommunication here? So I'm joking <laughs> that I need to make like an intro video for my Twitter and pin it to my pin tweet. Like, hi, I am not a, a conservative, you know, stereotypical Republican. <laughs> um, Everybody thinks I'm a, I'm a Republican and I'm not even I'm not even American. So. Right. Well, yeah, I can't imagine how ridiculous that is. I, I, I don't even have that defense. I have to be like, oh, well, shoot, I can't say you know, <laughs> another country. I just have to try to convince them that I'm not secretly Republican and yeah. secretly a Trump supporter. But that's that said, though, if, if I like my values actually align more with the Republican Party than with any UK party, as far as I'm aware, though. So if someone calls me a Republican, I'm like, eh, I guess I would be if I were from there. So. You're like, eh, it's it's close enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like there's there's what the Republican Party stands for and what it yeah, is. So that's, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's true. Today's podcast is sponsored by Benign Images. Benign Images is a storyteller consulting company. Through meaningful dialogue and guidance, they help storytellers of all kinds to tell the stories that they feel they have a need to tell. Whether it's through simple editor services, consulting, or helping creatives to set up an effective work habit, Benign Images will work with you to help you become a better storyteller. Start your project with them today by visiting their website, benignimages.com. That is benignimages.com, B-E-N-I-G-N images.com. Go check them out. So um, tell us a little bit about the about cosplay. 
So that's uh, that's a whole different world. But um, I'm curious as to what attracted you to it and how you how you how you get involved in it. Yeah, so I have kind of always had a group of friends that is on the nerdier side, um, playing like tabletop card games like Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and that kind of stuff. Um, and video games, even though I'm not super into them myself, all my friends are super into, you know, World of Warcraft and all that kind of MMO stuff. Um, so I've always been around that kind of crowd. So that included, you know, Japanese anime and that kind of stuff. Um, and for whatever reason, not I didn't really get into them at the same time because I wanted to. It just kind of happened that way. Um, right in 2016, when the election stuff started happening and I started talking about politics, I discovered cosplay, <laughs> which some people are probably like, what is that? <laughs> um, it's just costuming. So most people know about New York Comic Con and that kind of stuff, like comic book stuff, um, which is still cosplay. But I do kind of the Japanese side of that. And I mostly do anime characters and stuff like that. So um, I've only been reading and watching that kind of stuff for, you know, probably three or four years now. And then I got into cosplay in 2016. Okay. And, what, was, what was the gateway drug? So I saw this TV show <laughs> and it's weird because I don't watch reality TV. I must have just been, I think it was on the science fiction channel that we have in my area. And it was the show called Heroes of Cosplay. And okay. it was professional cosplayers, which blew my mind. I thought people make money off of this. What is this? So yeah. Um, which I was getting into libertarianism at that time. I'm like, yes, peak capitalism. People can make money off of that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it just had uh, four or five female and male cosplayers just going to conventions and showing like how they made their costumes and stuff like that. And I thought, that's cool. I want to do that. I can't sew. So I don't know what the way around that is, but I'm going to find it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I we have a local convention that happens in my area every May. And the first time I went in like a generic, like I wasn't really a character. I was just like, I'll just wear like a costume. Oh, okay. And then I saw how much fun everybody was having. And I was like, no, I need to like find a character that I like and get that. So that's what I did. And I kind of just, unfortunately, it's really expensive. <laughs> yeah. But it's so fun. So, you know, a lot of people in the cosplay community, I think the reason why people lean left. Uh, it's kind of like why a lot of creative people, I feel, lean creative. left. Yeah, creatives in general. I mean, you're talking to a musician here, so, yeah, I, know so the, I know the deal. Um, it's because a lot of people, at least especially with nerdy or stuff like video games and stuff like that, you get picked on and mm. you feel like you don't have a space that you can go. And here's this political ideology that promises a safe space. So why would you not? think that that's logical you know from me, my standpoint it's like no you're creative like people should be able to do whatever they want and dress up however they want and all this stuff but i get where they're coming from to be honest but. yeah i mean i don't know how aware you are of this but you know um one of the big determinants of political ideology is actually just personality traits mm -hmm. and so yeah i mean people who are into stuff like cosplay and music and arts in general yeah. tend to be very high in like the openness dimension in terms mm -hmm. of the big five. And that is the biggest predictor of whether or not somebody will lean left. So as a result of that, that's why most actors, musicians, singers, I guess even cosplayers, mm -hmm. you know, people who are creative, it's kind of like a 80, 20, 90, 10 
split on those things. Sometimes probably even worse than that. Like I'm, I'm sure I've been in some rooms where I'm like the only guy who's not, you know, like a full blown live. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, but uh, you know, it's 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 interesting. I, I was really interested when I first learned that a couple of years ago because it, it just made so many more things make sense. Because mm-hmm. I, I had been like, hmm, like why is it? Why why is this the case? Like why is everyone of the same alignment? Down to the down to the fact that I mean, in the music in the music world, for example, they almost just assume everybody's liberal. Yeah, like, like talk to you like yeah, and this, and you'll just look at them like. Well, no, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Like if you if you go to an event, right, or you know, I'm just talking to someone. Like it's it's like with a lot of things people say, Mm -hmm. I can tell they're just like making the assumption. Like, okay, this guy obviously agrees with me, and he's black too. So you know, obviously he will he'll agree with me on this thing. Mm, Nah. (laughs) You know, I'm like, no. Like, why would you why would you expect 50 percent of the musicians at a at a rap festival to be female? 98% of rappers are male. So it doesn't make sense, right? It makes as much sense as trying to make like 50% of primary school teachers or nurses male. Like it's not going to happen unless you, unless you horribly discriminate against people. Yeah. It's talking about like going to events. I didn't even really realize, I mean, I was just getting into politics. So I went to my first convention out of my state. It was in Ohio. And it was my first like mid-sized convention. There's probably like 11 or 12,000 people there. And they have always have an opening ceremony where they introduce the guests that are going to be there that you can meet and talk to throughout the weekend. Okay. And they said something that the convention chair, which is like the head of the convention, said something to the effect of, and if anyone says anything that makes you uncomfortable, let us know and we'll let security know. Oh, wow. And I <laughs> sitting there like looking at my my friends and my boyfriend next to me I'm like we gotta go we're gonna say something it's gonna, <laughs> like they're just gonna hear us having a conversation and just Uh-oh. so um it just takes it, it just takes fine. that it just takes that one snowflake right it went fine you know nothing yeah. happened but yeah. that was the first time I really realized how mm. different politically um things were and also I'm not really sure why but maybe because the left culture wise is very in tune with like the LGBTQ, you know, community, but cosplay is very heavily involved. Like there's pride events at every convention that I've been to, not just like this month or this past month in June, but um, for whatever reason, those communities intersect a lot, which I haven't done really much research on. It's just something that I kind of find kind of strange that how those would be related at all. But um, I'd have a, I'd have a theory on that. Yeah. Which, which, um, well, par- partly relates slightly to the first thing I was saying, but also just the whole like dressing up thing, right? Yeah, like, I, th- I think, I think, gay guys in particular would, compared to straight guys, I don't have data on this, <laughs> but I would think that they'd be more into dressing up and role playing than the average straight guy is. If you see what I mean. Like that's yeah. not really, it's not really like a, and I mean, I'm sure that there's, of course there will be straight dudes who who do and are into cosplay, but like the whole dressing up thing, it's just not really, I don't know. Like it's, uh, yeah. So I, I think it's more, yeah. I just think it's more common in that world. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah just costume stuff. It doesn't have to be cosplay, but just like dressing up in general. And I can see that. Cause I know a lot of my, my straight, white male friends um 
they don't mind that I'm in the cosplay, but they don't get it. No, yeah. That's what I mean. like, <laughs> They'll be a bit like, but okay. why? Why? <laughs> like, I just like wigs. And they're like, oh, okay. And honestly, even my mom, this is hilarious. Um, and actually, this might, I don't want to make any assumptions, but this might be uh, why the LGBTQ whatever community is involved with cosplay too. The first time I was trying to explain to my mom what cosplay was, she's like, where is that? Like she thought it was a city. And then she went to, well, why do you have all these wigs? And she's like, is this a weird thing? Like, yeah, she, yeah. Thought it was a <laughs> like she thought it was like some weird, like sexual thing. I'm like, no, yeah. no, I just like wigs. It's not anything weird. Well, like that. It, it kind of is to some people, isn't it? Like oh, it, 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 it blends into that whole like weird anime hentai kind of world. Not, not yeah, for everyone, but there, there's like an overlap. There are like uh, 18 plus panels at conventions too. Yeah. That, you know, everybody's got to go home and then there's like, you know, random panels about stuff. So yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's like a part of it. It's like some people who are really into just like, even not cosplay, but like anime and like manga and stuff. Like there's that subsection of it, that subgenre where it's all like, yeah, it all gets very, very weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, the, the, I don't want to say no they're weird i'm just gonna say it they're weird um they they're always like the loudest so like you say oh i cosplay and someone's like oh 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 why and I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not weird i swear it's not <laughs> they always assume the the worst of course thing. it would be like if you're like i'm a musician and they're like oh so you do drugs and it's like yeah, no yeah. <laughs> like oh i cosplay oh so you're into weird kinky sex stuff it's like no no i'm not it's just i just like wigs and i have yeah. wigs. <laughs> that's really all it is i just like that's my favorite part of it is i mean i like the costumes but i like so wigs it, so when you see the dude in the tentacle costume you run yeah no I, <laughs> <laughs> so do you know about furries i do yes i've met a few yeah um i'm terrified of them i have like <laughs> I have this, I should probably not announce this on a, on a bigger podcast, but cause now if I go to a convention, they're going to come for me, but just, <laughs> just, just because it's funny, but I don't, I don't know. I never minded as a kid, like going to like theme parks with people dressed up, but mm. for whatever reason, those fursuits freak me out. I don't know if it's cause I can't see who's in them. Yeah. And I know some scary things about like, obviously they have a subset of really weird people in their subculture. So it's like a sub subculture or whatever. Mm. I just don't like it. And so I just kind of avoid them politely at conventions. And it's really <laughs> sad. Cause like, sometimes I can tell the person in there wants a picture and I'm just like, no, I'm good. So like, what do you, so what do you normally go as? Like who would be, who are your favorite characters to dress up? As? Um, there's an ongoing joke, which I broke this year. Um, there's a character, uh, from Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is a 90s anime, um, and her name's Asuka, and uh, she's got red hair and wears a skin tight suit, and it's very uncomfortable, but I love her. She's like one of my favorite characters, and I wore her to every convention except the last one I went to this year, like okay. over a span of like two or three years. One day, I would wear her as a costume, and people are like, can you just get a different costume? I'm like, I have other ones. I'm wearing them Saturday and Sunday, and people said, we're done. Like, we don't like that character anymore. So oh, no. I try to switch it up now. But she's one of my favorites. Um, I also, let's see, I'm trying to think. Um, well, I have a Poison Ivy costume that I haven't worn yet, which from the comics, like the DC comics. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
Merida from Brave, like the Disney movie, is one of my okay, favorite. Yeah, yeah. Just because her wig is awesome. So you stick with the redheads? Yeah, I, I cosplay a lot of redheads. Just yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Just that aesthetic, I like it. <laughs> oh, that's that's fair um, enough. And so, how have your um you alluded to earlier that your um your your politics kind of clash with that cosplay world? Has that had any sort of have you received any kind of flack or negativity for that, or do you just kind of keep it quiet? I guess you don't want to well, go to a cosplay thing and talk politics anyway. So, but how's that? Yeah, been? I try not to. And honestly, the only reason cos or politics gets brought up at a convention is if it's leftist politics. Mm-mm. So it's like I don't want to bring it up. I want everybody to enjoy themselves, and I don't want to be that. There's like all those uh, memes about drunk people talking about politics at parties, like three drinks in, oh, we're taking the country back or whatever. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person who like raises my hand at a panel and is like, actually, you're wrong about that. Because that's just insufferable. Everybody's just trying to enjoy themselves. Um, So, so far I've been really lucky, I think. But I'm not sure if it's luck or the fact that I never thought my Twitter would get anywhere near the reach that it has right now. So actually, my, I have business cards that I hand out at conventions, and okay. my Twitter isn't on there. Oh, it's not. And it's not even because I talk politics there. It yeah. just, at the time that I started cosplaying, I didn't even have a thousand followers. So I just thought, oh, well, I don't have a big reach there, so I'm not going to promote it. I'll just promote my Instagram and my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And I just left it off because now <laughs> I talk about politics all the time. So now I'm not really sure it's a good idea. Yeah. But um, I have friends that are definitely super leftist and my test for that is i add them on my personal facebook and if they can handle me and not delete me in about three days <laughs> then they're probably not gonna try to come at me in a convention but yeah. um for the most part luckily i've avoided craziness when it comes to people like coming at you at conventions and stuff but that's good because they, they got like swords and guns and all sorts there too well <laughs> It's not where it's not where you want to get mobbed, man. You you have people shooting. Stupid. They're all the ever since all these, you know, we have these shootings. Mm. People like so. I wanted to cosplay this character Samus from Metroid, and she has this phaser gun. It's so Samus. fake looking. Yeah, yeah. It's it's clearly not a real weapon. No one, even somebody that doesn't know about guns, would know. Oh, that's clearly like it looks like a Star Trek something. It's not real. I couldn't bring it. I was going to cosplay her at the convention this year and you have to email them and send them a picture so they can approve it so you can bring it. And they said, no, unless you put a giant orange dot on your prop, you can't bring it in. And I said, well, that's ugly. I can't cover that in photo shoots. I'm not going to paint it like that. And they said, well, then you can't bring it because it might scare people or alarm them. So is that, is that kind of like a general rule now that you can't bring? Yeah. um, They're really cracking down on, I mean, if it's like a giant sword, they're fine with it, but you still Mm. have to have at most conventions, like a big, ugly zip tie on it. And they try to make it so you can cover it up. So they say, but you know, security at conventions has been really tightened recently. And, they make you actually the past two years, my local convention, they make you do bag searches every time you come in and out of the convention. Mm. And it never used to be like that. You used to just be able to walk in with your giant, you know, keyblade or whatever the heck you're carrying. That's a yeah. prop. And they didn't care, but now they have to check it in, you know, write your name down, tag it, whatever. It's in my opinion, it's kind of ridiculous, but obviously, no yeah, it's, it's stuff like stuff like that is always difficult for me because it's like, 
on one hand, it's like, this is so unnecessary and annoying and restricting. On the other hand, it's like, I completely get it. It's like they're crazy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like something like that has never happened. But, you know, it's like how many shootings in a year do you get? You know what I mean? It's so, and you never know. I mean, wasn't there that one, um, I mean, there was one at like a video game tournament. Last was it last year or the year before? Oh yeah, the I think it was a I think it was a Madden tournament. I think it was in Florida. Yeah, and I, I think someone and, and one of the players got killed, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so stuff like that does happen. That's the sad thing. So wherever people are going, it could be a church, a convention, a nightclub, whatever. It's like it's always that balance between you know even every time every time I fly, every time I go to an airport, and you're going through the whole security and. Like I travel quite a lot, and you know you got to you can't have your liquids, and you got to put a thing in a little bag. Oh, and I mean, I've been I've been flying since I was a little kid, so I I, I mean I remember when people used to smoke on planes, <laughs> right? I don't know if you I don't know if you I don't know if you ever experienced that. Like it's probably no, it might, yeah, it's think, probably. I think I was when nine eleven happened. I was in first grade, so like oh, wow. I've, never, okay. I've never flown on a plane where I don't have to take my yeah. shoes off. Before yeah, like it used to be literally when you checked in at the desk, they used to be like smoking or non-smoking, right? (laughs) They like used to be able to smoke on, like people used to smoke on planes. So they just have the curtains. And then like, if you went to the bathroom, sometimes you'd have to walk through the smoking section. So you just kind of go through this, the curtain and like, you're just seeing like, there's just like smoke (laughs) everywhere and like the smell and you're just like, and that sounds so crazy now that you could like smoke on a plane. Well, Um, you know, my parents tell me we used to just, this is in the eighties, of course, but mm. they're like, we used to just hang out at the airport. Like there were arcades and stuff and we just go hang out at the airport yeah. and it was cool. You didn't have to go through security or anything. You could wait for whoever's flying in that you're picking up. But now, you know, you got to go through security mm. if you want to meet them all the way at the gate and you just kind of have to wait in this designated area where everybody's been checked out. But yeah, yeah. that's a, it's a shame. You know, I think um, that's one of the, that's one of the saddest things in societies because like, mm a very small handful of people kind of mess things up for everybody else. And then everyone else for the rest of eternity now has to kind of pay the penance for the one idiot who decided to go and, you know, hurt people in some place. And now you've got to take all these precautions. And, you know, as you say, it's it's affecting a cosplay convention where you can't take a little toy, a little toy gun that you've made. And, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know what the right balance is. I really don't. But um, so what are you kind of focusing and working on now? Are you sp- particularly trying to grow your social media following or what's your I mean, what are your goals? I know you've got a YouTube channel. You're on Instagram. You're on Twitter. You're on Facebook. But like, what's the is that like a particular thing you're trying to do? Like, I want to get this message out here or I want to grow this following or, you know, where do you see the future going for you? Yeah. So I now that I I mean, I didn't have a following on Twitter, but now that I do, I might as well use it. So um, what I'd like to do is I know, honestly, a lot of people that interact with me on Twitter are surprisingly cool with the weird costumes that they don't really care about floating in between these political takes. (laughs) So I would ideally like to start traveling more to conventions, just, you know, all over, not just in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. I would like to get out to the East and West Coast and stuff like that, because that's where the bigger ones are, really. And I'd like to start doing panels just on random stuff and just trying to like reach out to people that way, not necessarily like shoving politics down their throats, but like maybe have a panel on like how creativity or like how to run your business and stuff like that at cosplay conventions, because I think people in general learn better if you're not, you know, 
shoving your beliefs down their throat, but you're framing it in a way that they can understand. Mm -hmm. And I know there's pretty big debate in the cosplay community right now. There's kind of a clash between people that do it for fun and people that do it as a business. And there's kind of a fight between them right now. And like, well, that's not fair because you're, you know, you're taking away views. They think you're taking away views from other people. Okay. There's not how that works. It's kind of like the whole wealth thing. Well, if you have more money, I have less. Like, that's yeah, not how that works. Yeah. So, um, sorry to interrupt. I mean, the people who do it as a business, what's their, mm -hmm. what's their model there? How do you, be, how do you become a, yeah, so, is it Patreon stuff or is it, how does it work? There's a lot of Patreon stuff. Um, crowdfunding type stuff but also a lot of people sell prints and pictures of themselves like they have professional photos taken um so they'll like work for a company that's going to an anime convention at a booth and sell their prints and also kind of promote for the company or recently there's a lot of people branching out into other things like making their own cosplay fabrics and selling it in stores and stuff okay. like that so and actually their own props too like they'll just start a prop making business too and sell it to people because um, a lot of people that cosplay, I mean, even me, I kind of thrift what I can, but I don't sew like any of my own costumes. I commission most of my stuff from other artists. Okay. So there's a huge market for that, too. Um, so a lot of professional cosplayers kind of reach out into all those little areas. Okay, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting because it, it's one of those worlds like I, I know a little bit about, but yeah, I've never, I, I even like, I even like to see the costumes. Like I like to, if there's, like I haven't been to a convention myself, but if, if I see that there's been one, like I will sometimes, you know, look through the photos and be like, oh, that's a dope yeah. costume. You know, that's cool. Like the coolest ones I remember seeing were the, some of the Transformer ones, which actually transformed. Oh, yeah. Had, like the guys like Bumblebee and Optimus Prime and like they literally like <laughs> crouched down. I was like, I was like, dude, like, yeah. that is, that, that's just dope. There's uh, people that go really serious into it. I saw this one this past year with the Endgame and Marvel movies coming out and it was mm -hmm. Thanos. And this guy was on stilts to like be as tall, like model scale, oh, wow. biggest Thanos was. And his daughter was like the little baby Gamora from the movie. <laughs> he, was, like, he was like holding her hand and he looks so big compared to her because he's on stilts in the yeah. costume with wow. like, you know, makeup on and everything like that. So people get really into it and it's really cool. And it really is kind of an art thing. Mm. So I wish it wouldn't get so political because I feel like everybody likes to enjoy it no matter what side you're on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we live in a weird time where everything is like everything is politicized. I it's in some ways I feel like sometimes I feel like it's a good thing, and then sometimes I'm like, no. Like, yeah. I, I think it's good that people are more aware and involved. And I'm a big fan of discussion, so I think it's good people are talking about it and having these conversations and stuff like that. And you've got YouTubers popping up, and you've got podcasts popping up, and people getting really active on Twitter and stuff like that. But then with some things, I'm kind of like, oh, does this have to be not everything needs to be political, like, you know, whether it's music or sports or cosplay, like you're saying, or video games. When they start heavily politicizing everything, I'm kind of like, oh, gosh, like, just just give me my video game. Give me give me my ice cream. Don't tell me who to vote for. Like, I just want the ice cream. Right. You know, like, <laughs> I don't need my my ice cream virtue signaling to me. Just Add Ben like, and Jerry's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, look, just ice cream. Yeah, and that's why you know I kind of go back and forth. I, I almost just want to take it from a standpoint of I'll go to conventions and like just like the best way to change someone's mind is just be friends with them, which is why I hate this 
idea that you can't be friends with people that you disagree with politically. Because on some level, I get it. There's people out there straight up threatening people's lives. Yeah. That I get. I can understand. But, you know, the maid of honor of my wedding is a feminist. Like, we don't agree on everything. That's fine. Yeah. We can have discussions about things. And, you know, she's changed my mind on some things. I've changed her mind on some things. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how people are supposed to interact with each other. You're not just supposed to be screaming at each other like, no, you're wrong. That doesn't do anything. anything. (laughs) You'll you'll, you'll get her out of that stage. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, she's already. She's moving my way a little bit. bit Yeah, it it, it tends to happen. Like they just need exposure. In modern day, a lot of people that just. They have their views, but they stay pretty moderate or centrist are moving one way or the other because people are screeching them, pick a side. And they're like, OK, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Side. it's you like must have, you must have come across that meme on Twitter where it, it's it's like the most inaccurate meme. It's like this thing yeah. where it's, it's basically like making fun of centrists. And it's basically oh, yeah. it's basically saying, like, you can either be a good guy or a Nazi. And I'm like, those are not the two options here. So it's got like the right and it's got like guys in like KKK hoods or whatever. And I'm like, dude, not like. The whole right, fifty percent of the popul of the population is not like some sort of like ethno supremacist or something, and then it's yeah. like, yeah, either you're on the good guys or you're with like the worst of the far right, and you're just like, just, no. I, I tweet about this all the time, but one of the most frustrating things is, I mean, I'm sure you get this because I'm a woman, so people just look at me and they're like, oh, she's a leftist, which I just laugh at them, but um, <laughs> they figure it out eventually. I had actually, I had a tweet making fun of companies um for like promoting pride month like randomly when they don't oh, have gosh, yeah. <laughs> i made a tweet and so i actually had a lot of people who were obviously they lean left follow me because of that tweet yeah. and slowly i just see them reacting to my other posts saying wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. so i you know i get a lot of people who just kind of look at you and they're like okay so this is what you think and i know you talked about that like being in a room and someone's like oh this dude's a black musician so he'll agree with me that 50 percent of you know musicians at the festival should be this it's like no just like talk to people first (laughs) yeah yeah well well, of course you know it's because people will see you and they'll be like okay hmm you know they'll look at the clues right you know like your age your gender down to your glasses they'll be like yeah she's liberal Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's true, right? Yeah. Like people like like look at people and it's like, okay, yeah, that that and that. They tick those boxes, so mm-hmm. okay, they'll be that. Oh, that guy there, okay, he he's that that and that, so he's probably yeah. he's probably one of them. So I kind of went through my phase when it comes to centrist, because I mean that's basically what I was when I took political quizzes. I didn't really have any. That's not that I didn't have opinions. I just was kind of apathetic about it. So yeah. I went through my phase right after I got in, where I was like. No, they're just as bad as people that are extreme on right and left because they don't they won't take a position. It's like you have to understand most people just go about their lives and they don't care about this kind of stuff. Like where I was is what most people are. They just want to take care of their families and not be bothered. Yeah, yeah literally, literally. And, uh, that's why I grew up. I, you know, I figured out I used to be kind of resentful that I grew up being told to talk about politics, but it's just because that's because most people just generally don't care. They just want to do their thing and live their lives however they want. Um, what, which what now, yeah, no, what you'll continue finding if you're anything like me as, as you as, as you get older, like especially over the next decade, is you'll mm-hmm. find that like more and more stuff that your parents and older people said to you and loads of traditional ideas, like it starts to make more and more and more sense. You're like, Oh, now, I, now I get why they said that. Oh, now I get why they did that. Like between the ages of 20 and 30, 
yeah. I really had that. Like I started being like, man, there's so much stuff like my parents used to say, or yeah, I mean, like I, I understood most of it, but there would always be some of those things like, well, why, why is it like that? Or why does society have to do things that way? You know, you go through that period of questioning it all. And then especially now at the current time where it seems like there's no objective reality anymore or people don't want to have it. And it's like, okay, yeah. I get why I get, I now better understand some of those more traditional sort of values and ideas of just having something that doesn't move too much. And okay. You know, and I think there's this sort of arrogance as well that comes with, um, I guess, which comes with used to, which is good to a degree because you want to challenge yeah. and question things. But I think you find a lot of people have this idea that just because an idea is old, that it's bad. Right. And that it needs to be changed. Yeah. It's like, well, certain traditions and ideas and things in culture sort of, you know, they knew what they were talking about. Like it, it, it survived for thousands of years for a reason, not because people just wanted to like oppress people and be mean. Right. And I, I you know, I kind of went through probably when I first started college and started getting into politics, I kind of went through my questioning phase, like, oh, well, why are these people so traditional? This is dumb. Like, it doesn't matter. Just let everybody do what they want. And then I, <laughs> I harp on this all the time, but like your personal preferences really don't have anything to do with libertarianism. And that's why I kind of stray a little bit from calling myself libertarian to people because then they assume that I'm like, dude, but weed, like, and all these. Oh. <laughs> stuff. And yeah. I'm like, I don't have a problem with people doing that as long as they're not hurting anybody else, but yeah. that's not who I am. So yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I'm, be I'm very much it. the same. I'm very so. much the same. My, my, my social values and moral values and my political values don't really overlap that much. Yeah. Like, so like socially and in terms of my own sort of moral stance, like I'm pretty, because I could be considered pretty conservative and I don't know, it's, it depends on what you compare me to. Like yeah, compared to an older generation, I'm probably pretty liberal compared to like people my age and younger. Like I'm probably, I probably seem very conservative, um, but it just kind of depends on the thing. But ultimately I'm like, well, I don't want to, I have no desire to impose that on other people. So for that reason, I lean more libertarian politically because I'm like, this is what I think, this is what I believe, but I'm not trying to like force that on anybody else. Right. That's why I kind of laugh so hard whenever I talk about anything like remotely traditional, like <laughs> because I get libertarians coming at me saying, well, then you're not libertarian. It's like, did I say government should enforce that? <laughs> no, I just said I want to homeschool kids when I have them. I didn't say I want the government to come rampaging through your house and make you stay at home with your children. I just said, I think that's probably a good idea given what's happening in society. And, you know, I just libertarians, I feel like we're pulled different ways so much that I feel like why people feel like they have to do that is because if they don't, then they're going to get attacked by the left or right. Yeah. And we just need to do our own thing and not worry about what the right or the left is going to say. Cause you're just going to go insane. Cause I went through that moment where you're like super <laughs> black pilled. You're like, all these people don't aren't, aren't listening to what I'm saying. And they're just going to believe what they want anyway. And it's like, then you start talking to real people and you find out not everybody's crazy. So it's just no. the loudest people are crazy. <laughs> so. Yeah, and they're all on Twitter. Yes, uh, especially since Tumblr kind of got shut down. Oh, we kind of got invaded by Tumblrinas, and they're everywhere. Yeah. It's disturbing. And they all have blue check marks somehow, even though they, have, they only <laughs> have like 2,000 followers. I'm like, what's going on, guys? I'm so confused. Pinfoil hat. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Awesome, Mac. I'm just looking at the time. We're, we're coming up to an hour now. So why don't you let people know where they can find you online, where they can follow you? 
Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Kenzie Puff, K-E-N-Z-I-E-P-U-F-F. And then if you're interested in my cosplay, I have a Facebook page called Kenzie Puff Cosplay. And uh, that's two words. And my YouTube and my political Facebook page, I like to keep them separate for people that don't want to be too weirded out by cosplay. Um, it's just Mac, M-A-C-K, and Liberty, and that's three separate words. So you guys can find me there, and hopefully I'll be posting a lot more on my YouTube in the coming months, too, since it's summer now. Awesome. Mac, thank you so much for coming on the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Yeah, thanks so much. You too. Awesome. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Real Talk with Zuby is sponsored by Gumroad.com. Gumroad is a platform that makes it really, really easy for creators of all kinds to sell their products, both digital and physical. It's what I've been using for my latest book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. Gumroad makes it really quick, seamless, intuitive, and easy to sell whatever it is that you want. You can get started in just a few minutes by going to gumroad.com, signing up as a creator, and setting up your product. Did I mention that it's free to use? It makes it really quick and easy for you to set up and sell your products and get paid every single week. And it also makes it really easy for buyers to pay you with credit card, debit card, PayPal, various payment methods. It works well on mobile as well as on desktop. So I highly recommend you go check them out, whether you are an artist, a podcaster, a creator, a musician, whatever it is that you do, check out gumroad.com. That is G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com and get started today. Gumroad.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.